Hi, I'm your host, Tom DeSavia. Join me as I interview guests from music and entertainment from around the world about what they're up to right now. Stay tuned, because we're gone in 30 minutes. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Gone in 30 Minutes. Today, we're extremely happy to welcome uh, one of the world's most celebrated and best-selling authors, uh, Mr. Dan Brown. Dan is here to talk to us about a very special and wild project that I want to dig deep into. Uh, he has written a children's book that, uh, with a wonderful illustrator who I want to talk to about uh, her as well. But you, turns out, you are a composer and orchestrator, and you <laughs> composed and orchestrated the, the music for this. So, first off, where are you at right now? What's going on? Where are you? Where are you I'm, I'm in uh, the frozen tundra of New Hampshire, uh, in, in my in my library, <laughs> uh, where I am working on a, another thriller, an adult thriller. I've spent two years in the world of wild symphony and children's music, and I'm returning to my real job, <laughs> but I had an absolute blast putting together Wild Symphony and uh, and uh, so it's a pleasure to be here to talk about it. Well, I was gonna ask you later if you're gonna take the characters in Wild Symphony and, and, and incorporate them into a thriller and, and there's gonna be a murder, but that will say that's a great idea. Lying kangaroos. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they can age sort of like the Harry Potter characters, how right. they age and so they can turn into murderers and thieves and robbers. I love it. I like it. Um, well, so the, the basic simplest question is what what made you do this? What brought it about? Yeah, I had sort of a strange childhood. My parents did not want to have a television. Uh, we had no television and, and no radio in our house either. Uh, my, my mom was a professional pianist. Uh, my dad was a very good singer and sort of in a lot of plays and things. We lived on the campus of Phillips Exeter Academy in a very, um, I, I guess you would say an, an academic and culturally uh, diverse uh, mixing pot of people. And uh, I spent an enormous amount of my childhood listening to classical music. It's the only music we had in the house. My mom had a huge record collection and I would listen to her records. Um, and it was kind of funny in the, on campus every night there was a concert of some sort uh, and it would be from seven o'clock to 7.45 so the kids could back to the dorm. And so I would say three or four nights a week I was listening to live classical music um, and, and heard it all. And, and to me that was music. I didn't really know there was much else. Um, and, this and the record collection was funny. It was, it was, uh, I, I just loved everything big. I love, you know, 1812 Overture, Carmina Burana, uh, you know, Ode to Joy, I must've listened to 4,000 times as a kid and actually tried to memorize every in in entrance, sort of thinking, well, maybe someday I could conduct this. Um, so anyway, it was, that was my childhood, just kind of strange. That's amazing. And well, and it's funny, I always say, uh, personally, just, uh, I had a similar, not similar thing where I didn't grow up in a classical music world. Uh, I grew up in the, in Southern California. So we don't have culture here, but we did have, uh, we did it. My parents were big on big bands and standard songs. And so I grew up and it's amazing at that, that age before you're exposed to, you know, what was AM radio then right. and your friend's stuff how much you retain of it. And my friends are always kind of amazed that I have sort of this encyclopedic knowledge of the great American standard. But because I grew up in California, I was surprised to learn they came from plays. Right. I just yeah. made as hits, but it is, it's funny how the brain will uh, retain that. And, 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 and is that part of why you chose a children's book? I mean, did you? Sure. Well, you know what? It's funny because I, I love children's books as a kid. I love poetry. I wrote poetry. I read everything Dr. Seuss wrote. 
Um, and so some of my fondest childhood memories are sitting on the living room floor, looking at Dr. Seuss books, listening to, you know, Pulak or, or, or Bartok, right? you know, whatever it was. And uh, so I wanted to recreate that experience for modern day kids, but also take it a step further such that the music they're hearing is tied directly to the book that they're reading. Right. And also I, I find, um, and I'm, I'm guessing most people do, I mean, classical music can be a little bit intimidating, you know, not just for kids, but for adults. And, and I wanted to write something that was classical in style, but also very accessible and, and didn't seem imposing or, or intimidating in any way. It's just, it's, this is fun, in some cases, silly music um, that, that is just supposed to be fun. And ideally, it will spark in some young people an interest in classical music. Well, going back to just our previous chat, when I was, I was like looking at this project and and reading about Dr. Seuss, and I tried to imagine the, the, the dogs at the top of the Go Dog Go tree while classical music was playing. I'm like, that would have been pretty cool. I don't know what yeah. it would be, like wings or something. Right. Like but but it, it is a thing when I, because classical is, and just it, 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 admittedly, and I have to say this, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's genres of music that are so overwhelming as an adult, and you can enjoy it, but you almost don't know how to seek it out. It's like it's like being a Somalia. You, you're kind of going like, I, I like Tell me what's good, right? <laughs> but as a kid, the way classical music seeped into my life and what and I loved it, and it came in was through the Warner Brothers cartoons. Sure, and was through those silly symphonies, and specifically, you know, the um, the the one where you know he walks out as Leopold and holds the G note up at the Hollywood Bowl, and the guy cracks the Hollywood Bowl. The singer, but this was how this music entered in, and and then. Yeah little later scarier, uh, you know, through Fantasia and things like that. Yeah. But it, I want to go now. And so I think it's amazing that these kids are, because you retain things. Like I said, it's how you retained it yeah. at this age. Y you composed all this music. I mean, let's not bury the lead here. I mean. Um, well, I, I've been writing music since I was a little kid. Yeah. Um, and I studied, uh, studied classically. And, and I also took a lot of music composition in university. And when I graduated, I went to Amherst College, sang in the men's choir. We went on tours across Europe, sang in Notre Dame and San Marco. And I mean, all these amazing places. Um, we, we sang the Misa Regina Celi. But um, when I graduated from university, I had studied classical music, composition, and also creative writing. And I thought, well, I, I want to live a creative life. Should I write music or write books? And I thought, oh, music will be much more fun. And at that point, I was absolutely into pop music. I loved the Beatles, the Beach Boys, Eagles. I mean, anything with harmonies, I just loved. And uh, and I was a songwriter. And I wrote you know a couple hundred songs and went out to Los Angeles, um, like everybody else who'd ever written a song, and uh, promptly learned that uh, I actually made a record, made a pop record. Really? That, uh, that sold about 12 copies. <laughs> um, seven of them were to my mother. And... Uh, so, and at that point, I had an idea for a novel and decided to write a novel, wrote a, a novel that came out and sold about 12 copies. But anyway, eventually it caught on uh, and I became a, a professional novelist. But simultaneously, I mean, I play piano every single day. It's kind of the way I come back from the fictional world. Uh, I work in one end of the house and as I walk back, I pass a, a piano and I sit down, I play for a little while and just sort of recenter myself in the real world. So, and, I, and I've been writing non-stop even though i've never really um, promoted or shared much of it it's just something i do as, a, as an outlet well i mean the, the work is is beautiful and i just love how i 
I want to get in and, and have you describe the book a little bit too, for because I think a lot of our listeners too will not are going to be like me, are going to be on my side on the West Coast. We only heard the Eagles, and and <laughs> <laughs> but you wrote uh, like how did you conceptualize this book? Yeah, it came about in kind of a strange way, pretty organically. I was out. Uh, in fact, I started this this project about twenty five years ago. The first okay. pieces I wrote when I was much younger. Uh, I was out for a walk one day in near a swamp and heard some frogs. There was like a big, just a bunch of frogs croaking. And there were, you know, there was a big one and some high peepers and a bullfrog and some stuff in the middle. And it sounded, for some reason, it just struck me as musical, uh, the different voices. And I went back and I wrote a little fugue that I called Happy Frogs and uh, thought, well, nobody's going to really know this is frogs. So I wrote a little poem to go with it. And had so much fun doing it, I went and did a diff another one and another one. Um, and that's kind of how it started. And at some point, I just, you know, forgot about the project. And years later, through a sort of a crazy series of events, it was it was heard by uh, someone in China, a publisher in China who wanted to publish it. They said, we love this music. We want to and we love this. These poems We want to publish it. And I said, look, OK, fine. My agent called my U.S. publisher just as a courtesy to say, hey, Dan did this silly little thing. It's going to come out in China. And Random House said, we'd love to see it. Mm -hmm. And Random House heard it and said, oh, wow, like this, this could actually be something real if you write 10 more pieces, 10 more poems, uh, and uh, set it for symphony orchestra. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, and uh, I, I've got a, a great friend here, Bob Lord, who's a, who's a terrific music producer. And he, he, he was the producer of this entire uh, project. And he had ties in Croatia with the Zagreb Festival Orchestra. And he's really the one who, who said, hey, you know, this, this music really should be recorded. Um, and, and I had just a great time doing it. And, I, I, you know, I'm fairly versed with, uh, you know, Logic Audio and Pro Tools and all those, those apps that let you arrange. I'm not a good enough keyboardist to play all the parts simultaneously. Right. And I probably don't have a good enough ear to really hear what it's going to be until I lay it out and so sort of assign that melody to a bassoon and say, ooh, that's, that's not right. Uh, and just trial and error, uh, arrange these things. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say that also, you know, once I'd done arrangements on, uh, you know, in, in Logic Audio that sounded to me like, you know, pretty good drafts of what a symphony should play, um, I worked uh, I worked with just a terrific professional orchestrator um, at Carl Blench, who uh, down in down in Houston, and he uh, you know he would look at these arrangements and listen to them and, and come back and say like hey this is really nice here but this section here you know by the way uh, uh, you know a, a French horn can't play that note <laughs> and and your flautists really need to breathe at some point and this is kind of weird because you've got some parallel construction and uh, and he, I learned a ton from him. Um, so he would take the pieces that I'd arranged and he would, you know, make them better. How was it working? And when I say this, I mean, uh, aside from, you know, an, an editor or anyone you work with, you, you don't really work in a collaborative world otherwise. No. You're in a very sort of isolated world, one would say, until so you emerge, emerge and you say, okay, done. Um, how was that process? Like, was, did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy it? Was it hard to collaborate? Was it easy? Was it well? Uh, you know what? I was very, very fortunate because I collaborated with people who always brought something to the table that was ten percent better than I imagined it would be, right. uh, including the illustrator, uh, who was absolutely phenomenal. And she was she was unknown 
Susan Bouchard. Um, am I saying that correct? Susan Bouchard, yeah. Gotcha. Um, so she's uh, she's from Budapest. And uh, Random House said, well, we've got to choose an illustrator. And I knew nothing about children's book illustrators. And they, they laid out literally 100 different samples. And I got it down to four. four and I said, these four people, whoever they are, are, are the illustrators I like most. And one of them I really, really like. And um, they said, well, it's kind of funny. You've chosen three very well-known illustrators and one total unknown. And I said, well, I hope the total unknown isn't the one who does the crocodiles with the silly eyes. Cause I love, and they said, that's her, you know, wow. she, Susan. But, and I said, I don't care. She's absolutely perfect. And I was very fortunate. She agreed to do the book and, and uh, we had a blast together. She came to the recording sessions uh, in Zagreb and sat with her, her sketchbook and just sort of listened to the music and, said, maybe this is what the manta ray looks like, or, you know, this is this is what clumsy kittens might look like. Well, to, to draw your two worlds together, it, is your process the same when you're writing a, a novel, when you're writing a Dan Brown novel? Uh, one assumes you you see the character, you see the color of their eyes, and you see sure. the, the paint on their walls. Um, and then eventually they kind of like, Tom Hanks, you're like, yep, looks exactly like him. That's great. <laughs> when you did this, was it similar? Because you must have, if you've been working on this for 25 years, you must have had an idea of what these these creatures sure. were. Like. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, without a doubt, you you have a vision in your mind. And the great thing about collaboration is is it's never quite what you imagined. It, it, it's close sometimes. I mean, Tom yeah. Hanks doesn't deliver the line exactly the way I want, you know, imagine he would. And yet, if you listen to it, it's like, well, that's actually a little, little better than I had imagined it. Um, and the funny thing about writing music and fiction is, is I think that the processes are very, very similar. Uh, you can't write a piece of music, any kind of music, without understanding structure. You could have all kinds of great melodies. Um, if you don't put them in the right order and in the right sequence, they don't work. And the same thing with plot points. If you don't arrange them properly and, um, you know, the, the, the novel isn't going to work. The same with, with pacing. Um, you know, you have to understand pacing to write both, especially dynamics. You can't write or you shouldn't write, you know, five chase scenes in a row and you shouldn't write five, you know, triple forte sections in a row. The, the listener and the reader need that interstitial space to, to, to breathe and, and, and find themselves before you give them something else. Um, so I, I find them very, very um, similar. Was your was your environment similar when you were creating or did you need a, do you need a separate environment to... Do you listen to music when you're writing? No, no, it's funny. I, I've tried. I certainly can't listen to music with lyrics. Right. Uh, and I've tried to listen to classical pieces or even, you know, like horrible synthesized new age stuff. And I, I can't, my ear just goes to it and I forget what I'm doing. Right. Um, so I work in total silence, uh, no internet, uh, just, a, just basically a, a computer and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of research books. And was, was were writing the poems? Was it the same? Did you feel like you were visited by a different muse? I guess I should yeah, say. Yeah, you know what? Absolutely, because these poems are are bite sized. Right. You, know, you you could possibly write a poem in an afternoon or or just on a walk. I mean, they're you know they're eight to ten to twelve lines, uh, couplets that are easy to remember. Uh, whereas a novel is just such a massive undertaking that um, you sort of feel like you're stacking an endless pile of wood and you just don't know when you're going to be done. The, it, it was a very different muse. It was, it was very lighthearted. I, I write novels about pretty heavy topics mm -hmm. um, that required, you know, some, some seriousness and some, some hard thinking. Uh, and, you know, when you're writing, you know, dancing boars, 
Um, <laughs> you know, it's silly. It's fun. And uh, and I I had a very light uh, experience writing both the music and the poetry. Did you, as as learning about you, learned you know recently, obviously that you were a a, a classical composer, but now I know you're a songwriter as well. Did when you write, was your process like? pretty quick and was it that with the poems that like all of a sudden you thought and it just sort of burst out or was it a lot of self-editing for that? Um, I, I would say uh, both. It would, the, the rough draft would burst out. Mm -hmm. I'd say I know, I know what the verse is, I know what the chorus is. I know the bridge is probably gonna be an E flat. <laughs> I'm not sure uh, you know, of, of the specifics, but I, I'd, I'd come up with the melodies and the structure and a theme and, and do maybe 70% of the work very, very quickly. And then, you know, as you know, it's mostly perspiration less inspiration to, to actually complete any creative project. Um, but once you have that initial burst of creativity, uh, you can then go back and, and use the other half of your brain to, to sort out how to make it work. Being such a classical and symphonic devotee, as it were, and I just go by the say pop and the roots writers I work with, um, do you ever find yourself writing something going, this is brilliant, and then realize you've completely swiped it from someone about six, seven. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, no. I usually write something and say, this is brilliant. And I listen to it the next day and go, oh my God, that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't feel, actually, you know what? I shouldn't say that. I, uh, I, I wrote a pop song last year that I realized was uh, the chord changes were an absolute lift of uh, the Who song, Teenage Wasteland or whatever, whatever it's called. I, that's not the title, but. Uh, and I felt like, oh, I, you know, I hadn't heard that song in 30 years, but I remembered loving it. And the, you know, the, the repeating phrase found its way into uh, something I was working on. That's what, yeah. Everyone's well in the studio. Someone will be playing something. will be like, that was a per perfume commercial from the nineties or right, exactly. that was a Supreme song. And they're like, damn it. You know, damn like, it. Just, I really liked yeah. it. Bob O'Reilly was the name of the song. In the, yeah. It's lodged there in the, in the, in the back box so much. Um, well, so this whole project itself was written before we went into lockdown like yeah. and so the plans were obviously to go on it seems like a a, a pretty extensive tour yeah, yeah and, we had commitments from a lot of orchestras around the world we're going to do i think seven cities in china a bunch of cities in russia and then all across europe a bunch of uh, cities in the u.s right. um so that's been uh, you know it's been Postponed, and it's been you know been a disappointment, but um, you know understandable. But it also looks like I watched, and I watched it uh, two nights ago, and it was fantastic. Where were you? You're in Croatia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was your first performance of it. Yeah, yeah. That was the, the world premiere in a in a you know socially distanced, beautiful concert hall yeah. uh, with a wonderful orchestra. Uh, that, that was the Zagreb Phil. It was sort of a, a group of different musicians who had. Some had recorded the music, some were fresh to it. Uh, great director, Miron, uh, just phenomenal. And it was just a, such a fun night to uh, to have this all come together. I'd, I'd never really had, certainly never had any classical music performed. Right. Um, and it was it was exciting to hear. Well, and it was great. And you're up there in your 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 box, right? With your lamp. And reading now, was there? I discussed like I, I when I see stuff like that, and I public speak a lot, and I have to do you know um, things. Still, whenever I see someone do certain types of public speaking, I feel like I'm the guy walking between the twin towers. You know, <laughs> out there on the box reading a poem with your sort of uh, storyteller lamp. Was it terrifying? Was were you having fun? 
You know what? I, I thought it was a blast. And I, I don't know, I don't know if you'll believe this, but it's the absolute truth. That performance was the first time I'd read the book in its entirety. <laughs> I'd been so busy and you know, we put it all together and it arrives. It's like like I'm gonna sit down and read, you know, the manta ray, you know, wondrous whale. I and so um on the flight on the way over, I opened the book and, and started reading. I said, I should probably know the rhythms. And uh, and I fell asleep about you know two poems in, which wasn't a good sign. <laughs> but uh, but you know uh, live performances, I'm sure you know, focuses the mind. Right. Uh, and it was you know it's not difficult reading by any stretch. So there was no point when you missed your mark and in the you know the and then you had to retake. No. You're like oh no. you, you didn't you didn't read the giraffes when you were supposed to read the alligators. No. Yeah. Any, 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 what I, what I loved about it too. And it just, cause I remember as a kid, cause so much of this struck me and this is why I think the book is so wonderful. And all, all uh, children's books associated with music, I think are wonderful. Just the way it does, it sticks with me all these years later. But I remember as a kid realizing when I saw star Wars that each character had their own theme. And it's sort of got you set for it when Darth walks out. You're like, yeah. oh, I'm going to be a little scared right now. But it also strike it, it it hits those memories. Was that like after you saw your your frogs on your walk? Was at that point were you like, I, sure. I, kind I mean, of I'd heard Peter and the Wolf. I, right. I you know, I, I at that point probably hadn't seen Star Wars. Or actually, no, I probably had seen Star Wars by that point. Right. Um, but certainly understood that music could be a character, um, and. Um, yeah, it was it, it was really a lot of fun to put together. That's so great. It's, it's been it's so, and then you're going to be going. It's there's going to be another um, U.S. performance coming up, I believe. I have it um, down. You can plug it here. June uh, January twenty third in Houston. Yeah, and yep. that's going to be a live performance slash live stream, so people have a chance to check right. it out. And then it looks the same. You're going all over the world um, with this thing. Are you going to tour it? Or is your uh, a couple of the key locations I'll probably go over and do the reading, but um, certainly not all of them. I've got a lot of other work to do. Right. Um, but uh, you know, I, I enjoy the process. But you know, the reality is, um, if you're in Romania, um, I'm not sure you want to hear the poems in English. You want a Romanian reader to read the poems in Romanian. Right. Um, so, and my Romanian's just plain <laughs> not good enough to. <laughs> What if you've no, been doing it? It makes more sense than Romania. a person. Read it. You've had time. We've had nothing but time to learn. I know I've. <laughs> everyone I know is, is baking bread and learning languages, and I've just right. grown a beard. That's, that's yeah, all. Yeah, you know what? That's, but, but you're working on it 24 7, though. Don't exactly. sell yourself. Exactly. I'm really <laughs> devoted to it. I'm really devoted to it. Are you. Um, uh, you said you're working on a new novel, which I know. And we'll be thrilled to hear as well. But are do you, does does music enter your life even when you're working on a novel, or is it completely sure? I, um, not not in the creative process, but in in the second half of the day. I, I work very early in the morning. I start writing around four a.m. Yeah. and by the afternoon, uh, you know, I, I finish before noon usually. But I listen to a lot of music in the afternoon. Just I, I, it's a totally different part of the brain. Mm -hmm. It feels somehow like a. <laughs> Like a spa for the for the for the creative side of the brain to just when you're listening to music on some level you're a consumer again you're not a creator right. um, and you're you're not having to think what the next note is you're just experiencing somebody else's um, creativity. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned standards. I I just discovered an album that I'm sure you know about, which is Rod Stewart singing all the standards, mm -hmm. and that 
I didn't know he was such a good singer. Right. I mean, he's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. And the arrangements are fantastic. And um, yeah, so every, I, I, every time we say goodbye has been on permanent repeat in my kitchen. So I got reintroduced to it because when I was a kid, the music wasn't cool. It was, it was right. my favorite music. You know, it was like, and, um, but I was a huge, um, still am a Linda Ronstead devotee. And just a poster on the wall, just massive crescent. And yeah. she did these three albums of standards with Nelson Riddle, who was actually Sinatra's conductor. Okay. And they're, just absolutely stunning. I recommend. Oh, I have to find it. I'll have to I have three records out, uh, all with Nelson Riddle, who passed away during the last one. And, and Nelson Riddle, I think, is is the preeminent um, composer conductor from the the pop era of jazz. Essentially, right. all those uh, those Rosemary Clooney, uh, Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, uh, Dean Martin. I mean, he he worked with everyone. He was the capital sound, really, of of that era. So go dig him. But with the um, with your writing process, if I could go into that really quickly, because one of the things we tend to talk about on here is just being in uh, lockdown. It's funny as an author, one would assume you're used to isolating. You know, I mean, novelists are the lucky ones when it comes to COVID. We, we're very accustomed to working alone, and, and there's not a lot of collaboration when you're a novelist. Um, and I'll I'll go two or three years without really collaborating. My editor will sort of see stuff from now and then. Um, and I'm very accustomed to it. So for me, the only difference has been I, I travel a lot for research. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, I finished most of the research for this book right before COVID hit. Uh, so, you know, in a weird way, it has not affected me all that, all that deeply. Great. Can I, can I ask the boldest question is when do we expect to see the new book? Uh, uh, I'm hoping to deliver at the end of next year. Cool. So, you know, a, a year and a little bit. Excellent. We're locking you in. Now you can't delay. It's actually on recorded now. I think there's okay, that's right. all right. We're gonna go into the lightning round, which I keep in. Yes, I own Sammy Davis Jr.'s hat. Okay. Fine. Jr.'s hat. So uh simple word association, and uh we've customized these a, a wee bit for you, my friends. So um let me get a good first one to start. I'm very with. nervous. I can't imagine what this is gonna be. Favorite children's book. Go. Uh Happy birthday to you by Dr. Seuss. Wow, good one. Uh, mine was Go Dog Go, I mentioned it earlier, but just love it. <laughs> uh, uh, what is one of the things you would still put on your bucket list? Uh, this will sound insane. Uh, playing professional football. Just one, <laughs> one play or two. Why not? <laughs> I'm just sort of curious what that must feel like. <laughs> I think it hurts, Dan. Um, what is one play? You the answer to <laughs> What mystery of life do you wish you knew the answer to? Uh, what happens when we die? Oh, that's a that's a big one. I think that's our number one answer. Ding. Um, right now we're in COVID, but uh, if you could go to one place anywhere on Earth, where would you be? Uh, I've never been uh, to the Hermitage. I would like to see it. Will that be the, so? That's going to be the first place you're going to go. Yep, you should. There you go. Uh, what's your favorite non-classical piece of music? Uh, Seven Bridges Road. Acapella version by the Eagles. Excellent. Uh, what's something that's true that almost no one agrees with you on? Oh, how long do you have? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think that I don't know if there's absolute truth, but uh, I, I wrote a pretty well-known book about an alternate history that seemed to make more sense to me than the history I was taught, and a lot of people disagreed with it. So maybe, maybe that's my answer. Excellent. Your favorite <laughs> instrument? A uh, piano. 
That is that what image said that's what you learned on? Is that mostly what you compose on? Yes. Yeah. Okay. This one um, I thought would be important and might help you segue into the next book. So if you do, I only want 5%. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> totally reasonable. Let me be really fair here. If you had to choose one animal to help you win a fight, what animal would that be? Wow. Um, I guess a mongoose. Mongoose. They're mean. They're mean, right on. Yeah. They're happy. Okay. <laughs> um, a book you think everyone should read aside from your own. Um, you know, I I'm a huge fan of The Alchemist. I haven't read much of I haven't read any of Palaquilla's other work, but that was recommended to me, and I thought it was such a timeless story. Um, just so beautifully done. I, I and I recommend the audio version with uh, Jeremy Irons reading it. It's just it's music to the ears. Are you able to do audiobooks? Um, I could, but um, I mean, I can listen to them. Is that what yeah. you're asking? Yeah, I listen to them all the time. And if I'm working out or, um, you know, sometimes I'll just go for a long walk and, and fill my head with, I mean, I do it for research mainly. Right. I, I, don't listen to, I don't listen to novels uh, yeah. ever. Your favorite animal, period. Uh, yellow Lab. Yellow, yellow lab. lab, hands down. Very good. I had one of those. Mine was named Cletus. Your favorite classical piece? Uh, Quatre Petit Prie by Poulenc. And finally, our final question for you, Dan Brown. What is something that no one knows about you? <laughs> now? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't know you were a composer. Chilly. Something nobody knows about me? Boy. I what have other people answered? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm I, allergic I, I, to bell peppers. I don't know. What was that? Awesome? I'm allergic to bell peppers. There you go. That's all we needed. <laughs> That's our money shot. That is what's going to be the headlines. Great. Dan Brown, allergic to bell peppers. So, <laughs> Dan, thank you so much. Wow. It's out. It was so great to talk to you. And Where's so, congratulations on the book. And, and I think it's, I've said it before, it's, I think it's absolutely wonderful with it. Um, you're doing something that that is so important to the development of a child's brain and something that won't make the parents want to kill you. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> always part of the game. That's our balance. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we are gone in 30 minutes. See you, everybody. Bye-bye. This show was presented by Craft Recordings. Thanks for joining us for Gone in 30 Minutes, produced by Laura Saez. I'm your host, Tom, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>